It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday april 21st 2016 thank you for joining us tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is back dad welcome back jacob great to be with you good to have you back here tonight and we have a special guest yeah we've got la stouffer with us from st louis missouri uh, L.A.'s a long, uh, long-time friend and uh, faithful and powerful gospel preacher, and we've invited him to come this week and do some special teaching for us. We've been announcing on the Virtual Bible Study that this weekend, this this very weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, L.A. Stouffer is going to be with us to bring a series of special lessons centered on the theme of the family. And so we're excited that uh, L.A. has come in a, a little bit early and able to join us for the Virtual Bible Study tonight. L.A., welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to the weekend together so that we can study and talk about husbands and wives and mothers and fathers. Obviously, this is very needed in our country today, and I'm glad to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. Glad that you're here as well. And we invite our listeners, anybody who's in the area, to come and join us tomorrow night, Friday, the 22nd at 7 p.m., Saturday evening at 7 p.m., Sunday at 9.30 10:30 and 2:30. Yeah, and and LA will be bringing us lessons at all five of those designated times that you just mentioned. All those times, Friday and Saturday at seven, are normal times Sunday morning. But then when we have a gospel meeting, we always have a, our service earlier in the afternoon. See if some others from the area might be able to make it. And so our Sunday afternoon service will be at 2:30. So note that's a slight difference, slight slight change in our normal schedule. But if you're anywhere within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you'll make a special effort to join us for uh, this special weekend Bible series on the family. L.A., you've done a lot of work on uh, studies about the family. You've, you've published a workbook uh, that's been out there for several years. Yes, I, I did that uh, probably nearly 30 years ago. But I have been asked by a lot of congregations around the country to come and deliver lectures on family life and we try to talk about the nature of marriage itself, and we try to talk to the husbands one night and the wives one night and the parents one night, and and we talk some about the, the problem that we have uh, so common in our country today about divorce and remarriage. And so uh, we'll be covering a good variety of topics and, and a great deal uh, of uh, what the Bible says about the, the family and, and marriage. Well, if, if you published that book 30 years ago, that's all out of date. Everything's changed since then, hasn't it? A lot has changed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, we had the same problems back then that we have now, but they've been exacerbated quite yeah, a bit. But God's and, truth on the subject hasn't changed anything. No, it, it, it's the same. And uh, I, I was uh, going through some old notes that I had on the subject, and I found uh, we have reprinted the book a few times. I found one of the original copies, but we haven't changed the book because the Word of God hasn't changed, and so uh, there's not been any reason really to 
to make any major changes. We made a few little you small know, changes. Uh, things have changed in 30 years, and not for the better. Things have changed for the worse in our culture. And one of the things that suffered has been the family. The family unit is in major, major crisis. And I think that that's showing up in our in our culture in many ways. Not right. that, that because the family is, is disintegrating, many other things in our culture are hurting. Well, I think that's exactly right. And uh, we see some of the problems in, in the inner cities. And, and a lot of that is very related to the fact that the children have not been brought up to, to understand the will of God with regard to family and to learn to respect their fathers and mothers and their brothers and sisters. And uh, when you learn that in the family, why well, you're going to respect society in general. And so uh, a lot of the problems that we're facing uh, in the inner cities and a lot of the moral issues that are that are changing, at least uh, from a government standpoint of view, uh, a lot of those, of course, issue from the fact that, that we just haven't gotten back to understand what God has said about marriage, and that's what we hope to do in this series. Yeah, I, I think just this week there's been so much crazy news out there about uh, uh, corporations and individuals reacting about this crazy bathroom law about transgendered people and well, which bathroom should they go to, which one should they be allowed to go to. I mean, I think our country is just coming unraveled with all this silliness. We can trace it back to the family. That A bathroom, lot of it. Yeah. A lot of it. So, again, that's our special series this weekend. We want everybody who's anywhere close to us in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, try to make it to one or more of those special services we're going to be having uh, this weekend. We thought what we would do on the virtual Bible study tonight is just sort of preview some of that. And earlier today to our update list, I sent out uh, the topic we were going to be discussing and asking for some feedback. We we want your feedback on really a, a simple approach. I just ask, what do you think are the most important biblical considerations for one, husbands, two, wives, three, fathers, four, mothers, five, children, six, siblings? So there's there's a lot of different interactions in a family unit. I think it's, it's so important for us to, to know and, and confidently believe that the Bible addresses all those roles and relationships uh, every one of them is addressed in the scriptures, and if we do what the scriptures say, uh, we're going to be better off for doing it. All right, so if you'd like to sign in the chat room there, if you're watching us live to the bottom of your video feed, or send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. You can do that anytime if you're listening to us live or in the podcast version, or give us a call at 877-381-4567. So let's start out, L.A., talking about husbands. I, I think that's where you got to start, isn't it, when you're talking about the family? Well, you know, God has made the husband the the head of the wife and the leader in the family. But I think what a lot of husbands have forgotten is how can they expect a woman to to submit or children to submit uh, to them as the head of the family if they don't experience, first of all, the love of that husband for that wife. And uh, a wife uh, will certainly have little difficulty uh, submitting to the leadership of her husband if she knows that he loves her and that he's devoted to her, that he'll make every sacrifice for her. The Apostle Paul said that a husband ought to love his wife even as he loves himself. And so if if we can just uh, produce in our hearts that devotion for our wives as we 
devote ourselves to our own needs, and we, we take care of what we need, and we look after ourselves, but do we exalt our wives above ourselves? And I think that's the chief thing uh, that husbands have to learn. We need leaders in the family, there's no question, and somebody has to take charge, and God in his word has, has said for the husband and the father to do that. But in order for the children and, and the wife to respond, that husband has to, first of all, show that he loves his wife, that he's devoted to her every needs, even on an equality with his own needs. And I think uh, that will solve a good many of the, the problems in family life if we can get that to, to, uh, to resonate in the, in, the, in the hearts and the minds of husbands. I know I, I was telling you today, I remember you making that very point at least 30 years ago, probably <laughs> longer ago, but it's always yeah. stuck in my mind that if a husband loves his wife the way she should, the way he should, she will not have any trouble taking on the submissive role that she is to carry. Uh, it, it really, you know, uh, Harry Truman said in the White House, the buck stops here. You know, in other words, he, he, he accepted ultimate responsibility for the decisions that were being made in the country. When it comes to the family and home, that, that's got to be the way the husband, father views it. The buck stops here. Ultimately, it's our responsibility. And if we're not, and so if you think about the guy who is ultimately responsible, but he's forsaking his role, then nothing else is going to work very good, right? That's correct. That's exactly right. And uh, so uh, we we've got to man up. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's the, that's the modern day expression, isn't it? Man up. We yeah. need to man up. Yeah, that probably wasn't in your book thirty years ago. <laughs> you didn't I use that. I don't think I have that in there. But uh, our society is raising selfish people, especially selfish men, and that simply won't work in the arrangement God has designed and how He expects it to work. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about the violence in some of the cities, and uh, and I think uh, a number of of uh, men have investigated and and looked into that. And and I, I, I believe they've come up with the idea that that if if these young men uh, with their guns and their violence and so forth that if these young men uh, if they if they had good fathers and and mothers to train them and teach them how to respect their brothers and sisters and their father and mother uh, they're going to respect other people as well and so uh, this is this is a vital point and. And uh, if it's going to if it's going to happen in society, it's going to have to happen in the home. Home is the uh, other than the individual is the smallest unit of society, and and how children are reared and how they're brought up and the principles they're taught has everything to do with the way they treat others outside the home and in society. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what's really scary I think is when we view our culture. And a high percentage of children are not living with their fathers. They don't have. They don't even have a father in the home. No image. No. No. No role model there of the father. And and the statistics all bear out as you say. Those kids who don't have a father, who are not living under the influence of a father, are much more likely to have all kinds of other problems in their lives. But of course, their problems also become our problems as they become criminals and and uh, delinquents and as they call as they cause all other kind of problems you remember la uh, gibbon's book on the decline and fall of the roman empire listed a number of things that contributed to to the end of the roman empire and one of the things mentioned was the disintegration of the family unit yeah so we, we got to have strong families but we but it, it goes to this idea of the husband taking on his role 
uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There's the the perfect role model, right? No, nothing selfish about Jesus's love for the church. In fact, his love for the church was completely sacrificial, uh, and that's what we're called upon to do. But as you and Jacob both have indicated, one of the big problems we have is men are selfish, and and they they don't want to be bothered, and they don't want to they don't want to yield anything of their own interest, and so they don't love like Christ loved. Yeah, and if you if you continue on in that text, it says, Even so ought husbands also to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his uh, own body, uh, he that loveth himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ also the church. And yeah. uh, we take care of ourselves, and we take care of our own interests, just like Christ nourished the church and and provided for us through his death. Uh, so it is that, that we have to, as we love ourselves and nourish and cherish our own bodies and provide for our needs, we've got to extend that same kind of love and devotion to our wives. And so that's so. the kind of love we have to have. Thanks. All right. Along those lines, let us let me ask you about First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, and, and see if you think, is this, a, is this a greater problem than it has been in the past? But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith and it's worse than an infidel. You see that as a growing trend that, that that men just aren't being the providers they need to be in the material realm as well. I think that's true, and and it's like uh, Greg just said. Uh, uh, you you go to to a lot of these homes; they don't have fathers. Uh, there's nobody. Uh, somebody has left the family rather than to stay there and to provide for them and and to meet the needs. But what are the these children to grow up uh, to, to understand from that? That if my own father. Uh, leaves me and won't provide for me, then what kind of an attitude am I going to have when I meet a woman or uh, that I that I love? Am I going to be able to make those kinds of sacrifices to provide for her needs and and the same thing with our children in in the home? So that's a very vital point. I think it, uh, and so really the starting place I really think uh, for a discussion of the family has to be on the husband. That's, he's got to accept that leadership role. He has to understand his accountability, his responsibility. And if he's not going to do what he has to do, then the rest of it's not going to line out like it should at all. So uh, I think during our series this weekend, L.A., you'll be you'll be putting, on us, putting it on us as husbands pretty hard <laughs> because we need it. Uh, uh, we need to understand that. So that's where we'll start with the husbands. Let's grab a break, Jacob. Okay, we'll take a break, and when we get back, it's on to the wives, and uh, we'll talk about the wives on the other side. We've got children and mothers and fathers and siblings to go, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Wow, this Internet thing is really growing. And what could be better than using the Internet for Bible study? I guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual Bible study. Good idea, don't you think? Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's not enough for a man to know what is right. He must have the disposition to do it. Simply put, integrity is doing what you said you would do. No Christian has ever bought the friendship of the world without exposing disloyalty to Christ. Your words reveal your heart. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk with L.A. Stouffer about the family and talking about some upcoming lessons that he will be presenting to the College of Church of Christ. 
And we're getting a little foretaste here of what those lessons will entail. And I'm not hearing a lot of uh, pop psychology or human wisdom here. I'm hearing a lot of scripture, and that's what we need. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think, L.A., you're probably going to be quoting any pop psychologist in our lessons, are you? Uh, I'm not not too well informed on, <laughs> on that field of study. <laughs> Let's move on. I, I, I suggested to our update list today we want to talk about, so we talked about husbands, the importance of them accepting their role. And we've already said the point that you uh, have made so emphatically is let the husbands do what they're supposed to do the right way and love their wives the right way. Then the wives won't have any trouble being submissive to their husbands. But let's talk about the wife's role. Um, What do you think? And I ask, what do you think is the most important biblical consideration for the wife? What would you think if you had to do if you just had to put that uh, in in a thumbnail? What would it be the, the, the most important thing that the wife needs to remember in her situation? Well, I, I don't know. I, f- I focus often on, on a couple of things. Uh, one thing I focus on is I, I'd like for women to understand that the responsibility of subjection is not a an analysis of her ability, of her intelligence, of her education. It's a role that God has given her to play in the family. And so we're not saying she's inferior to the husband intellectually. We're not saying that she's inferior to him even spiritually. Uh, she may not, and often I find it to be the case that they're, they're not inferior to the husband as far as Bible knowledge is concerned. We're not talking about that when we say be in subjection to your husband. We're talking about a role and a responsibility uh, that she needs to play. And I think also, in connection with that, one of the most important things for a wife to do is to respect her husband and to let him know that she she honors him and she exalts him uh, in, in, her, in her heart. Uh, you know, men are out here working uh, day by day besides women, beautiful women, uh, women that they sometimes have close relationships with. And sometimes they develop a friendship there, and and uh, those those women maybe uh, speak highly of their work or speak highly of them. And sometimes they'll get greater compliments from women they work with than they do their wives. And so I think wives need to understand the importance of letting the husband know that I honor you and I respect you, and she needs to exalt him uh, in her heart and and understand that being in subjection to him is not a comment on her intellect. It's not a comment on her innate ability. It's a comment on a comment on the role that she must play in the family. Here's the husband trying to lead the family in the ways of righteousness, and she's his helper, as the Bible says, and she's there to submit to him and to assist him and to help him uh, in this role. And so I think this idea of, of uh, uh, the Bible talks about reverencing your husband and that obviously is in the sense of of uh, ex- respecting him in a very very high way and 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 realize that I can help him uh make this family what it ought to be and so uh, God said I'll make woman to be a help for a man and that subjection is to help him and not to say that she's inferior to him right, in right. so many ways uh, what you were saying reminded me of 1 Peter 3 uh after this manner, 
in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Uh, there, Sarah is held up as the example for for her submissive respect for Abraham. And that's that's really the way it should be. But I, I agree with you completely that we're... These, these are assigned roles from God, and it's not saying that in, in every case the husband is way smarter than the wife, uh, because, uh, as you say, in many instances, that's not the case at all. And, uh, and I've known, as you have, lots of wives more knowledgeable even in Bible subjects than their husbands. But this is just an acceptance of God's assigned roles in, in the family. We've got roles in our society with our submission to government and to the governmental uh, agencies, the, the policeman that, that stops us on the side of the road, we're to be in submission to him. We may be smarter than him. We may be, we may be a better shot than him. I mean, all kinds of things. On the job, we're in submission to our boss. We might be smarter, more capable than our boss, but we're expected to have that. that uh, no, and nobody has a big problem with that, but for some reason, I think when it comes to husband and wife roles, a lot of wives sort of, it, it rubs the wrong way to say you've got to be in subjection to your husband. Uh, but it's, again, it's n- it's not a, an idea of inferiority at all. L.A., what about this? The wife said, if he would do what he's supposed to do, I would submit to him. But he's such a slacker, and, and uh, you know, he, he he's really he's really a bum. And I I'm just not going to submit to him because he's not he's not you know as we said earlier he's not manning up. I can a woman. Can a woman reject her sub- role of submissiveness because her husband's not doing what he's said to do? Well, I, I think uh, every woman or every man or, or every child that, that's old enough to obey the Lord needs to understand that his first relationship or her first relationship is to God. And if God has assigned her this role of helping her husband, of submitting to her husband, then she can't deny the responsibility she has because he's not what he ought to be. And so that that's that can be an excuse in, in a lot of areas is that, well, uh, you know, this fellow I'm working with, he's not doing his job, he's not carrying his load, and so I'm just not going to do anything. And you can do that, that sort of thing on the job as well. But I like like the, the point that Jacob made there about the, the workforce. Uh, if you were to go into some of these companies down here and find out why they're really thriving – why they're really accomplishing things, you'll find out that, that a lot of times it's some of those people down in the lower echelons that are doing the work and, and sometimes uh, people that, that have brilliant ideas that they introduce to the company. It's not always that chief executive that's, that's, that's yeah. I mean, they have, you've got to have some leadership, but, but I think it's important to recognize that, that you've got to do what God has authorized and taught you to do, whether your wife does it or whether your husband does it. Or whether your parents do it, yeah. So our so our responsibilities before God are independent of what anybody else might do, and we can never use as an excuse. We we know this that uh, we can't use as an excuse the failure of other people to do what they're supposed to do. We're going to be judged independently of of what anybody else has done. And so, for uh, I've I've known plenty of instances, and I know you have too, of husbands who really weren't being the the effective head of their families who weren't loving their wives but still the wife has a responsibility to do the right thing 
irregardless. If we had, if it was, a, if it was me, if it was uh, contingent on the other person being perfect, then nobody would take, assume their role. I mean, the wife's not going to be perfect, so the husband isn't going to love her like he's supposed to, as Christ loves the church. Uh, the husband's not perfect, so the wife's not going to submit. Mm-hmm. The, ch- the parents aren't perfect, so the children aren't going to obey. It all it all crumbles down if we take on that that view. Well, and I think it's important for the wife to recognize that there's there's more to a family than her husband. She's got children there as well, and if she does her role well as as a wife and and shows that submissive spirit uh, toward her husband, uh, then and, and and fulfills her role in in the family uh, toward the children. She's got children there that, that need her to be what she ought to be if a husband isn't. Yeah. You know, I think that's such an important point. Kids learn to be a husband or a wife based upon how they saw their parents in those roles. And that's a stronger influence on us than we probably can even begin to imagine. You know, as we grow older, we see those parental influence. You know, I see myself acting like my dad acted. I tell people sometimes I see myself doing stuff that I didn't even like to see my dad didn't do, you know, because that's just such a powerful influence. Daughters are going to be the same way with their mothers. And so you're not just parenting the kids. You're also showing them how they should be in their ultimate roles as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. They're going to they're going to pattern after us. And so we got to really be careful. All right, 877-381-4567. You'd like to chime in on the phone. The chat room is terribly quiet tonight. I don't know. Well, let's uh, hear something in the chat room if you got some comments there. Um, so husbands and wives, uh, what about L.A.? So we talked about husbands and wives, but i got to tell you, we're really busy with the kids these days. We've got Little League Baseball, and we've got all these school projects you got to get done. Uh I just can't spend a lot of time nurturing this relationship with my wife because, I mean, I'm chasing after the kids 24-7. We're into so many different things. What would be your advice to parents who who, who have the, the duties and responsibilities and activities of the kids? Does this become a problem between the husband and wife themselves? Well, it certainly becomes a problem for the husband and wives together. And uh, there, there has to be obvi- always, uh, e- even in our personal relationship to the Lord, there has to be this allocation of time. And and the Lord, is, the Lord is very clear that we have to, for example, in the kingdom, we have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it's easy for me to get involved in golf and fishing and all these kinds of things, uh, and and even plan things sometimes when the church is meeting for an assembly to to worship. Worship God, and so there has to be the the prioritizing of of our time, and in in recognition of the fact that, as we sometimes say, kingdom business that is the kingdom of Christ that becomes number one. And what we're doing in our families as as husbands and wives is kingdom business. This this is uh, these are orders from the King Jesus Christ as to what we're to be uh, with one another. And and with our children, and so we're going to have to we're going to have to sit down as as husbands and wives. At some point, uh, you know, I had four children, and I was involved in little league and tried to manage little league teams and all that kind of thing. And uh, and I realized, uh, 
you know, how busy we can get with those things. And, and some of those things are important to a degree, but you've, you've got to sit down at some point and, and allocate your time and to, to recognize that the kingdom of God comes first, and that uh, involves very much the family relationship. Yeah. And, and I think husbands and wives have got, you're talking about prioritizing, I think husbands and wives have got to prioritize their relationship and, and, and make sure that stays strong, nurture that, and, and make it uh, uh, what it ought to be. But I do think sometimes parents get so wrapped up in the, in the busy schedule of things that they begin to ne- neglect one another and their own relationship. And we've known instances where when the kids finally grow up and leave the nest, then the husband and wife have no remaining relationship. Everything was built around the kids and chasing after them. And they realize now after 20 years of doing that, that they don't really have a relationship with one another anymore. And that's and that's a, a failure. I like what you said, though, when we are working on our families and making them what we're, they should be. We're serving God when we're doing that. And that's uh, and that's needs to be a top priority. And, and we've got we've got to certainly be careful that we don't allow, as husbands and wives, or I should say as fathers and mothers, our relationship to our children to allow our relationship as husband and wives to deteriorate. We've got to make time for ourselves, and so so this it's a it's a it's a time factor that that has to be properly managed, and yeah. there's no question about that yeah. at all. All right. Well, it's uh, time for us to get another break, and when we get back, we're going to get into that parenting role that uh, we've sort of been around here a little bit, but we'll talk about fathers and mothers and get into the responsibilities of children as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. A tired and discouraged Elijah proclaimed to God, quote, I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. 1 Kings 19, verse 10. He was wrong, of course, and the Lord explained that he had 7,000 who remained faithful to him. But what if Elijah had been right? What if he really was the last remaining faithful servant of God in all the earth? Two things seem clear. First, he could not have used this as an excuse to give up, to surrender, or to stop doing the will of God. And secondly... The urgency of his work would have been even greater. The need for his proclamation of God's word would have been even more pressing. There's a lesson here for us. Have you ever felt like you were alone in your stand for the truth? Has it seemed like no one else was committed to do the right thing? If so, you should take heart in knowing that there are many others who share your convictions and dedication. You are not alone. As in Elijah's day, God knows and has an accurate count of all those who are faithfully living for him. But even if you were the last faithful Christian in all the world, you would still need to work hard to teach and practice the will of God. This would not be an excuse for you to give up or to surrender in your service to him. In fact, your work would be more important than ever. If all men were to let us down and we truly stood alone, we would still have this promise from God. Hebrews 13, beginning verse 5, quote, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And our reaction to this truth should be to boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Christian, you are not alone. You have a host of faithful brethren who stand with you, and you have the Almighty God of heaven who supports you. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is 
Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the virtual Bible study each Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3.17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it's thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we welcome your questions or comments anytime. Questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about LA, with L.A. Stouffer about uh, the upcoming series of meetings that will be Presented to the College of Church of Christ, Friday the 22nd, Saturday the 23rd, and Sunday the 24th. Find out more information about it at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Well, and we don't want to discourage any people attending, but uh, you'll be able to find those lessons on that website if you can't Later make on. it. Later yeah, on, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, But don't listen to that until after. Yeah, yeah. We want you to be here. All right. We've been talking about husbands and wives. Before we pass from that and start talking about parents for just a minute, L.A., i got to ask you a question. What does this mean in First Peter 3, verse 7? Ye husbands, dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together, as the grace of, uh, heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. What, what, what's a husband, when he's told to dwell with them according to knowledge? What knowledge are we talking about here? Yeah, well... I think primarily he's talking, obviously, it includes the knowledge of, of God's Word. In, in that sense, we have to dwell with our wives based upon what we've learned from the Scriptures, but it means to know your wife. Yeah. Uh, to dwell with her in knowledge means to understand and to know her. And, and how can you uh, be loving and dedicated and committed and, and, and do the things that bring joy to your wife if you don't understand her? Yeah. And so one of the big responsibilities that we have as husbands and wives is to really understand one another. Uh, you know, a wife may do something for me that I don't appreciate and, and somebody else might. And so she has or, to or know she, what I appreciate. Yeah, and, and uh, likewise, you may not know some of the things that, that she's dealing with. You need to know. Yeah. Well, what, How is the wife the weaker vessel? Well, I, I personally think that just means that's talking about the uh, the the physical nature of women in in relation to men. Uh, some have have made a little something different out of it, but I, I've always thought that uh, that it uh, that man is is being described there in physical relationship as being stronger than the wife. But uh, there could be there could be some other uh, vessels is sometimes used with regard to. China, you know, various kinds of elements that way. And maybe uh, some, have, I think, thought maybe he was viewing that. More delicate. Yeah, more delicate. The part of that verse that I really can understand, because I think probably all of us experienced it, if you don't dwell with your wife according to knowledge, then your prayers can be hindered. And the way I've illustrated that before <laughs> is have a, have a fight with your wife and then sit down immediately and try to pray. Yeah, That's not going to happen. When, when things are not going well between husbands and wives, your prayers are hindered. That's right. Very, very. It's probably the best time to pray, but it's the hardest time <laughs> yeah, to pray. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. Now let's get into the discussion of parents, fathers, and mothers, and uh, and God. Well, we touched on that a little life. bit, but La, what's what's what do you think's the prime biblical consideration for fathers? What are what do they got to do in relationship to, to raising their kids? Obviously, the the father is to bring up his children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so the primary role of the father is to teach these children from their youth up 
to understand and to know what the will of God is. And in our study of of training up children, uh, we're going to go to a proverb that says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And what the emphasis there is on, number one, a child, you've got to decide how the child ought to go. You've got to make a decision as to what you want this child to be. And obviously, uh, if you're a Christian, you want your child to be a Christian and to grow up and know the will of God. And so once you decide that that child needs to follow the will of God, then you need to train him up to, to, to follow uh, the will of God the way he ought to go. And so you've got to decide how he ought to go first. And then I think it's important to understand that he says, train up a child. You don't wait till this this child so you is. See, a, you don't go for the philosophy. <laughs> and say, I'm going to wait till he's old enough to make a decision for himself. Right. Yeah. And and you remember probably remember the statement about Timothy from a babe. And and I, I would emphasize that that the word babe doesn't mean a child. It means a baby. Yeah. And that means that from a baby, uh, his mother Eunice, and then his grandmother Lois. Uh, taught him the sacred scriptures, and and I think you you need to I need you need to use biblical language. You need to use God and Jesus, and use these words when kids don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. But they hear these things, and even psychologists are are beginning to say that if you hold a child and 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 cuddle a child from the very day he comes out of the womb that that has a very strong impression upon the kind of uh, personality and the view he'll have of himself someday. So start as a child. Figure out uh, the way you want your child to go, and that should be according to God's will. And then start when he's a babe and, and yeah. teach it's, him It's the always amazing view. to me. I mean, it, and I think even child psychologists have learned this, but the Bible would certainly bear it out. Their their minds are working in overdrive in those early years. The f- first three years, that you, you think about the percentage of what a person knows that they learn in that first three years of life. It's incredible. It's a high percentage of what they'll carry with them throughout all the rest of their life. But a lot of parents are wasting those those precious early years, giving their children no instruction in the ways of God. And and there's a window of opportunity there that's that's not going to be there uh, later on, so we we got to start early. I'm reminded of what Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy six, familiar text. Deuteronomy six six. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children. The word diligently. You you've got to work at this. This is this is not something that just comes accidentally or by chance you've got to make it you got to diligently work at it and they were to talk about them as they were walking and setting it i I don't think that those were necessarily in-depth doctrinal discussions about the law most but it was just incorporated i think into the daily conversations. he went on to say you shall talk of them when thou sittest in thy house when thou walkest by the way when thou liest down when thou risest up yeah so they're just talking about what has God said about this, and I mean, it just it needs to be a part of our our daily family discussion with our children, and we need to look for opportunities to bring that in to the discussion. Uh, we're driving down the road, we're not doing too much walking in past these days. We're driving, <laughs> but we can talk about it in the car. Turn the radio off and do some talking. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's kind of it's kind of amazing how many proverbs uh, warn children to listen to the instruction of their father and listen to the instruction of their mothers and and there's a great deal of emphasis on that but 
but mothers and fathers have got to provide that instruction. And, and if we get too busy with uh, life in general, that we don't take the time to, to sit down and have a Bible study with our children in the home uh, in the evening time. I can remember when my father first obeyed the gospel. I was about six years old, and and uh, he he took seriously uh, his role, and we began to read the Bible together uh, before we'd go to bed at night, and and that's. Very important, very vital. That, I that think parents so too. And, that, that. and again, and, and one of the things that happens is I think we get so busy, uh, our schedules are so crammed full. We allow ourselves to get too busy to be able to spend time doing that sort of thing. You know, and the devil makes it easy. He helps us with that, doesn't he? He helps us stay too busy. Yeah, because that's that serves his purposes, right? Right. Uh, parents are. I think some parents are going to be sorry for that later on because they allowed themselves to get so preoccupied with worldly pursuits for their kids that they have they didn't instill into them a love for god and a knowledge of god and his will so that but again we're talking about parents i think that that ultimately falls upon the father in other words he he's he's the one that has to make that happen i think too often fathers try to relegate that responsibility to their wives i'm busy i've got to work all day. When I come home, I'm tired. I just want to sit and relax. You, you take care of that wife. You, I'm going to leave it up to you to, to teach the kids uh, all about the Bible and about that doesn't work. Right, and 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 I think especially, uh, you know, back when I was growing up uh, many moons ago, uh, the uh, a lot of the mothers didn't work outside the home, and uh, so they, they fathers would use that excuse, and and they did. Fathers worked hard all day, but you've got to take that time. And mothers have to be busy with the children, obviously. But the thing we were talking about a while ago is, is what what's going on in these inner cities is that these children don't have any sense of responsibility and and uh, relationship to to righteousness and holiness and kindness and love and that that sort of thing because they're they're not being trained in the home and so that's uh we it's easy you know we have bible studies uh, at the congregations where we all worship and and our parents bring their children and put them in a bible class and that's well and good but but god said fathers you bring up those children in the nurture and admonition of the lord so i can't relegate my responsibility as a father to my wife or to the church to say, I'm, I'm expecting you to train my kids in, in, in biblical knowledge and so forth. That that's that's just not right, and it's, well, it's not effective. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting. However, and I would say this to mothers: uh, in the case of Timothy, his father was a Greek, and Timothy grew up with a mother and a grandmother that were Jews, and that grandmother and that mother taught the faith that they had in God to Timothy. And so if a father's not there to do it, that doesn't mean that the mother should shun that responsibility. Yeah, exactly right. Let me ask you a question for your advice on uh, on keeping our children from being exposed to the wickedness that's in the world around us. What, what do you see as uh, effective ways to do that, the effect of the media on our children today especially? What are you, what's your advice along those lines? Well, I don't know. I'm really concerned about that issue. Um, I know that um, we obviously... There's very few shows on television, very few movies that our children are fit for our children to go to. And so we've got to have parents that are in charge of the television. But what really concerns me are the iPhones and the iPads and, 
and children are allowed to go to their rooms with these uh, devices. And uh, my understanding is, and I haven't looked into this, I've talked to a few folks that have, but this child pornography is getting to be a very serious issue. And these young people have these iPhones, and they go in and they get on that stuff when they're 10, 11 years old and, and get in. I understand that children as, as early as 11 and 12 years old are getting addicted to, to, to this pornography. And so there, there's got to be a really uh, – you've got to keep a watch on these devices. That I've tried that to make the in. point that parents got challenges. Modern-day parents have challenges that no parent in the course of history – has ever have ever had it's not i'm not saying it's necessarily harder I, I imagine noah had a pretty hard time when there was nobody else in the whole world who was trying to be faithful except him and he brought up his boys and i'm sure and Jabez were always wanting to go off with those rowdy kids next door probably yeah. but um, so i'm not I'm, I'm not trying to excuse ourselves but there are some new challenges like the the new media for parent that parents and i don't think parents typically are watching carefully enough the all indication is that parents are not watching carefully enough uh, as their children are exposed to what's in the media, uh, not not too long ago, one of our men here who's uh, knowledgeable in placing controls on computers uh, as to what the kids are allowed to see, uh, he, he gave us a, some instruction on that and told us about some options that are available. I think parents got to investigate that sort of thing. One thing he said that was particularly scary is there's not much you can do to lock down an iPhone or an iPad that the kind of controls that are available typically won't work on those devices. And yet we see parents who let kids have their iPhones and their iPads with indiscriminate use. And that's scary. That's scary. scary. All right, we need one more break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. Probably wrap up some more discussion on parents and get into the children and the siblings. So don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible State will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to the U.S. Department of Census, 43% of U.S. children live without their biological father. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says these children are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. That information is via fatherhoodfactor.com. The Word of God says in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking with L.A. Stouffer about the family, pre- previewing some lessons that will be presented to the College of Church of Christ this weekend. Talking about a lot about fathers. Any special instructions for mothers as we round out that equation about the parents? Well, obviously, uh, mothers and Fathers have to get in tune with one another, and uh, I, I, I think that um, not only are fathers obviously uh, involved in the teaching of the children. We mentioned about Lois and and Eunice; uh, these were the grandmother and the mother of Timothy. And I think it's noteworthy that in Philippians, the second chapter, 
Paul says that Timothy, now Paul, you have to understand, the Apostle Paul trained a lot of men to preach the gospel. But he said, I've never had a man like Timothy. He said, he's the most unselfish and the most devoted servant of God that I've ever worked with. And he commends him highly, and I think so often that he had a father that was not of the Jewish religion, but he had a grandmother who had faith in God. He had a mother who had faith in God. And they nourished and they trained him and they brought him up uh, to be a man of faith and to be a man who was unselfishly devoted to the will of God where he put others above himself. Well, he learned that from his grandmother and his mother. And so uh, while fathers are given the, I guess, the leading role, if we may use that expression, in the rearing and the bringing up of children, Uh, It's obvious that they need the cooperation and they need the help and they need the assistance of godly mothers. And and even even as grandparents, uh, you know, we become grandparents. And I know we're separated uh, in this time, uh, in these days, like we used to live close to grandma and grandpa and that sort of thing. But my kids are all over the country and my grandkids are. And so don't get to have the influence that I'd like to have. But but certainly as mothers. Uh, we've got to we've got to be in tune with the father, and we've got to discuss with the father uh, the the children, their personalities, their needs, and all of that, and and to share together. So so work with your husbands uh, in in bringing up these children. I think is is a very principal role that mothers have to play. You know, the question often comes up about working mothers. Uh, that's that's a, sort of a new thing in our world. I mean, w- within the last century, you know, w- when there were more women in the in the secular workplace, uh, I think the point you, we've got to make to those mothers who work is that your your job as mother is still just the same. It hasn't diminished at all. And so, re- if you're going to take on another job, realize that you already had a job in regards to motherhood, and you can't forsake that role simply because you've taken on some additional work. Uh, and I think that's a big challenge. I think it's very hard. <clears throat> I think uh, those sort of things make parenting a great challenge these days, but mothers have such an important role. And, and, and even as you pointed out, with Timothy's mother and grandmother, they can overcome failings in the father and still have a, a good outcome for the children in teaching them the ways of God. All right, what's our time look like, Jacob? You've got ten minutes. Let's go. Let's talk about children. What would what would you say, LA, to children? What do you think is a, is is the primary biblical consideration for children? What are the, what do they need to keep in mind? Well, obviously, children have to reverence and uh, esteem. And, and hold in highest of honor their fathers and their mothers. But children aren't going to do that on their own. And so in order to have a child that does that, number one, he has to be taught by his parents. And he has to receive that teaching from his parents. And if he doesn't receive that teaching from his parents, the Bible talks about discipline. I realize that, that uh, that's not a... Not a uh, very well accepted thing in modern society, but 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 children need to be disciplined uh, if they do not grasp or if they do not fulfill uh, the the roles and the principles that they are taught by their parents. And so, I think I think children uh, have have got to be taught, instructed, 
and and parents have got to be sure that they do understand what life is all about and what they should be. And if they do not grasp it or do not follow it, then we've got to chastise and we've got to discipline. And and uh, I know I know that uh, that's not a popular thing anymore, but uh, uh, the Bible is clear on it. And you got to discipline and and, and chastise children when they don't fulfill. Uh, their responsibilities or manifest the the teaching that they've been given. So yeah. I think that's important. Because obviously a child, a newborn child, has no understanding of anything. Along Everything that they will ever acquire is going to have to be taught to them in regards to their relationship with parents. But as they grow, as you said, they've got to be taught to respect, to, uh, to respect the authority of the parents, to be obedient to what they're instructed to do. Um, Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's simply the right thing to do. And it's and so parents have got to do their role, but children need to understand that they're accountable to God, too, and become, I think, they're sort of on a sliding scale. I mean, obviously, a one year old doesn't understand. A one year old can't obey certain things, but they don't understand all the ramifications of, of their relationship with parents. But as they grow older, they become more and more understanding of that sort of accountability uh, in, in respect to obeying their parents. All right. I would I would just add um, with with regard to children that it's uh, vitally important that that children be disciplined early on, and uh, I know. Men a lot smarter than myself that, that have made a life of writing books about the training of children. Dr. Dobson is a good one. And, uh, and they, they claim, you know, if a child isn't brought under control uh, and, and well-disciplined and trained by the time he's five years old, you, you just about have already lost him. Now, I don't know what the stats are on anything like that, but I do know that that, that training and that discipline has to begin early. Yeah. And again, another really scary thing about our society is a lot of kids are not getting any of that at, at any age. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're we're raising a whole generation of people who are just undisciplined in all respects of their life. They they, they don't control themselves. They they pursue every sort of uh, uh, worldly desire because they've never never been taught discipline. Therefore, they can't discipline themselves. It's it's a it's a bad thing. It does not bode well for us. What about uh, training our children uh, a work ethic and, and the the need to to be working? Is that uh, something you see uh, lacking in society today? Yeah, that, that's that's one of the points that, that I make in in the book is that uh, you know um, all I had to do as a child before I went to bed was bring in a bucket of coal. We we had <laughs> we had an old coal stove. <laughs> I probably should tell the people I'm going to be 80 years old this year, so they'll know where I'm coming from. Yeah. But, but, but the fact is, my dad had to get me out of bed several times to get that bucket of coal, and it wasn't that he couldn't get it, but he was trying to train me that that this is your responsibility before you go to bed. Get that bucket of coal and put it by the stove, and it'll be there when I get up in the morning to you know to start the fire. And yeah. so, uh, I think very very early on, it's it's very important that that children. Uh, learn and, and be disciplined and be trained and and there's uh, but also I know uh, I know our time's getting a little bit short and I noticed you have on your list siblings and and, and there's there's that that responsibility of learning, teaching children to relate to one another and and uh, so that that's a that's all a disciplinary 
process and discipline the child to do what he ought to do, but also to, to relate to not only his mother and father, but his brothers and sisters. I think so, too. I think the scriptures would address that. The, the idea of work ethic, I think, is, is a really increasing problem for kids, uh, parents and kids. You know, in, in, in a previous generation, as you were saying, you had, you were given expectations. You were given chores. You, there were things that you were required to do even on a daily basis. Well, with the advent of all kinds of modern conveniences, there's not many chores to do, you know, uh, and, and we've moved away from that rural life on the farm where there were animals to tend and, and farm duties that had to be fulfilled on a daily basis. And now our kids are growing up without many responsibilities, and they, they're not developing that crucial work ethic, which I think actually also carries over into uh, their spiritual lives. If, if, if I'm not disciplined to work, then I'm also probably not going to be disciplined to work for the Lord. Uh, and I think that's a really big problem. Yeah, if you don't, if you, if you, if you can't learn to serve your own family and, and uh, understand the principle of service, which is what life's all about. It doesn't make any difference who you are. I mean, a father has to serve his children, and a husband has to serve his wife and so forth. And so uh, essentially, well, well, Jesus made that point when the disciples were arguing about who's greatest in the kingdom. And he said, well, who's doing the most work? I mean, yeah, yeah. in effect, that's what he said. You know, the one that serves is number one in my kingdom. And yeah. Jesus left heaven as a, as a bondservant. The Bible calls him a, a slave to God in the sense that he agreed to submit himself to God's purpose and will, and he set that example that we should follow in his steps. And so uh, the whole business of kingdom, and, and, and really as parents, we're drawing upon our relationship to God and the kingdom and understanding of his will, and, and as we have to serve in the kingdom, uh, we need to serve our children, but children need to learn to serve, and and I, I, like you say, there's not maybe a lot of chores to do, but they can... Uh, and make a bed or something, <laughs> but you know, we can give them some things to do. <laughs> talk about siblings. You know, I was thinking about some of those Old Testaments. There's some there's some some lessons to learn by uh, about sibling relationships in some of those famous Old Testament stories. Joseph and his uh, and his brethren, uh, and so forth. Uh, that's that's an important part of the family dynamic. You know, and and so. But I would think that this falls back on – if you took the story of Joseph and his his brothers and what they did, you could trace that back to their father and some of his failures as a, as a parent. So, you know, again, it comes back to the parents. It comes back to the father, the responsibility of helping those kids develop a, a proper sibling relationship. It, it all fits together. Well, then you, you, take, you take Jacob. Where did he learn his partiality? That's the way mother. his daddy and mother were. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they were right. both partial. So, yeah. so that you're gonna you're gonna pass on your your own character to yeah. your children. Exactly you got to right. be careful. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. Well, again, let's let's repeat Jacob to everyone that we've got this special series of Bible studies this weekend here at the College View Church in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're anywhere near us in the Middle Tennessee area, please come Friday night seven o'clock, Saturday night seven o'clock. Sunday at 9.30 and 10.30, there'll be two lessons at 9.30 and then another at 10.30 and then at 2.30 Sunday afternoon. Uh, L.A. Stover is here to bring us these lessons. He's done a lot of teaching through the years on the family. He's got a lot of good information to share with us, and we want everybody to come. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, and tonight's just been a, a teaser for some of the great teaching that we're looking forward to this weekend. You talk about being within driving distance. Well, 
L.A. drove from St. Louis, so maybe we should uh, <laughs> define our terms here. You, know, you can drive a long distance if you if you can. We'd love to have you here. Kyle's been behind the board tonight. We haven't talked to you all night. Kyle, thank you for being here to help us out. And, um, well, the chat room has been very quiet. I'm starting to get a little complex here. You know, they think we've got L.A. here. We don't need any help. But when it's just you and me, they got to help us out quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but thank you for listening tonight. Thank you for being here, L.A. Good to be really here. Thank you for having me. And hope you've been here from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll be back next time for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.